0: Welcome to the podcast for Centerpoint Church. Located in the heart of Concord, New Hampshire, Centerpoint is all about living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus. The message today is a part of that journey, and we are glad to have you join us. Well, good morning. Look at you, survivors, right? Do you ever imagine waking up at 18 degrees thinking, man, I don't know if I need a coat today. It's all a matter of perspective, isn't it? Here we are. We we made it. It is good to be here with you this morning. A couple of things I want to just touch base on real quick before we jump into our message. Um, uh, those of you who get our regular emails, you got the invitation to be a part of something coming up on February 18th, just call it a bubble up session. It's a time that's going to be led by uh, the Daves, our consultants. You met them a couple of weeks ago and they're just trying to help us as a church kind of talk together and discern together in uh, drawing clarity in where we're going and how we're going to get there. And so this is going to be a really important time. Whether you're new to Center Point or whether you're a longtime Center Pointer, your voice is a part of this discernment process. And so I hope you'll mark on your calendars. It's going to be February 18th coming up just a couple of weeks. It's going to be from 10 until 1. We got a bunch of moving parts that day, so it's like a weird time. I get it. But uh, 10 to 1, we're going to meet and we're going to be right here in this room on that day. And so would love to have you be a part of this. Now, you don't need to register anything to come, but we do have childcare available for those of you who would benefit from some childcare. And no, wives, I'm not talking about your husband. I'm talking about actual kids. Uh, And so if we can help out with that, we're happy to do that. And, um, but you do need to register for that like don't just show up with like 18 kids and say here you go so uh, do if you got kids and we can take care of your kids that day we'd love to be able to do that but you do need to register and so if you need help registering just let us know it was in the email that i sent but if you didn't get that just kind of call the office and and let us know how we can register your kids all right so you can be a part of that here something that's really cool with this And there's a lot of things that are really cool with this. Uh, You know, we've got relationship with churches in our community and uh, Mark at Grace Capital and Rick at Epsom Bible, they're they're just really good friends of mine. We're in the trenches of ministry together as churches, but they're just really good friends of mine. And so I was talking about this day and I I made a big ask of them uh, and they jumped on it in a second. And it was uh, to take care of our kids that day. And so, you know, I don't want our normal kid people to be taking care of our kids that day. I want our normal kid people to be a part of the conversation we're having. And so in order for that to happen, both Grace Capital and Epsom Bible are jumping in with volunteers to take care of our kids that day because they love us. Isn't that cool? I just wanted you to know about that. One, just because I'm really thankful for that and I love that they're, they're wanting to take care of us in this very practical and tangible way and so, uh, yeah, so anyway, I wanted to share that part of it too. But again, if you want the kid stuff, you do need to register because we've got a limit on how many kids we can take that day. All right, so that's coming up on the 18th. And the other thing is going on today. Um, I'll try to mention it again at the end of the message, but sometimes I forget that stuff. I get wrapped up in what I'm saying and I forget. But today is group connect. And so maybe you're here and you are not connected in a group and you're looking for some community and how we make some of those connections and grow in your faith. Like we've been talking about loving each other and that, requires proximity it just does and so if you're looking for that opportunity today is the perfect day for you to be here down the hallway to the south wing you're going to find group connect down there so all of our group leaders are at tables there they'll be able to describe what's going on with their groups and when their groups are meeting and what the groups are like and you can find a group to connect today thus the name really fancy group connect so that is going on today like Don't get up right now and do it but after the service you're going to want to get up head down that hallway to the south wing go on in there and meet some folks and it is going to be a great opportunity i know some of you are like boom we're extroverts we're going to go do this thing and others of you are like people scare me a little bit so like be brave be brave right and head down that hallway head to group connect and they're uh they're going to be here this morning uh after our services uh to serve you and to lovingly invite you to join them to be a part of what's going on in their groups, all right? So that's going on today and you aren't gonna want to miss that. Oh, let me just uh, pause and pray for us and we're gonna dive into our message today. Let's pray. Father, uh, we wanna thank you for your word and how you have revealed yourself in scripture. From beginning to end, you show us You show us you. You show us how you're at work redeeming, rescuing, restoring, renewing this world. All at your hand. Your love, your mercy, your grace, your holiness, all at work. And So God, we love to study your word. We love to know you to catch glimpses of who you are. And so do that work in us today. Uh, Open our eyes to see that we might see you more clearly. Open our ears to hear that we might hear you more clearly. And Father, soften our hearts to receive what you have for us today. Your same spirit that inspired these words are the spirit that is alive and active in us today as your followers. And so stir in us today. Soften our hearts. Let us be good soil, receptive to your word, that it might grow roots and bear fruit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're continuing in our series exploring what does it mean for us to belong not only to God as his people, but to belong uh, to one another. And so there's a a bunch of phrases in uh, scripture, the one another passages. And so we're looking at a bunch of them, not all of them, but we're looking at a bunch of them. And So we spent some time hanging out with uh, John, one of the disciples, both in the gospel and in his letters, the epistles. And so we're we're shifting a little bit here and we're going to hang out in Romans chapter 12 for a few weeks, okay? We're going to hang out in Romans chapter 12 and so we're, we're getting some different perspective on this beautiful diamond called the body of Christ the church who are we you know, and and we've got so, uh, just part of our culture it's the air that we breathe is individualism and so it pushes on that notion of individualism but we want to invite it to do that to challenge us to awaken us and to allow us to look at the various facets of beauty like a beautiful diamond to look at the facets of beauty of what it means to be uh, the church. What does it mean to be a community of disciples of Jesus? Now, I, I know that not all of you who are sitting here or listening online have made that decision to follow Jesus. Um, y- like, you're in the right spot. Like, like, learn and listen and take this in. We've got a we've seat at the table for you. But, but the predominance of us are... are are trying to figure out what does it look like to live in faithfulness to Jesus and to do that not only in my life, but in our life together. And so that's what we're exploring here. And so we're gonna, we're gonna read the first uh, several verses of Romans chapter 12. All right, and this is a transitional type of passage from the first 11 chapters. Of course, Paul didn't write it in chapters, but we get them in chapters for us. It makes it a little bit easier for us to follow along. And so uh, he's, there's this transition in this letter that's being written to Roman Christians, these Christians in Rome who are, who are learning what it is to follow Jesus what it is to give themselves to him. And so in the first 11 uh, v- uh, chapters, we've got this incredible theological treatise, if you will. Like, I don't want to scare you away, but it's this, like, powerful uh, look at what is the gospel and how is God at work rescuing, redeeming, renewing his world. It's, it's powerful, it's, it's strong, it's convicting. But, but he doesn't let us just stay in the theological, what we might call orthodoxy. He moves us to what some theologians will refer to as orthopraxy, it's, it's putting that orthodoxy, putting that theology into practice. What does this look like, orthopraxy? Try that one out at work on Monday, you'll impress everybody. And, and so we're, we're moving there, and so Romans 12 marks this shift for us, all right? So I wanna read verses one through eight. Follow along in whatever Bible you have with you. Paul writes, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Did you catch that? We belong to one another. We have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is showing mercy, do it cheerfully. For this week, we're gonna stop right there. We're gonna stop right there. what rises to the surface in this is that in God's mercy right so he's saying right off the bat here in view of God's mercy in God's mercy he is creating a new community and this is an important part that we capture of his work right we see this in the old testament in the Hebrew text it was God created a community the nation of Israel and he would bless them to be a blessing to the nations um but but over and over uh that that community went sideways right so the And so God is creating this new community. So in his mercy, God is creating a new community. That's us, right? The church is not peripheral to what God is doing. It's at the heart of what he's doing. A new community that is strengthened through its diversity. All right. In God's mercy, he is creating a new community. He's shaping us to be a new community that is strengthened through its diversity, okay? And so we're going to explore that a little bit here in this. And we recognize that, that human nature, it, it's the way that we're wired. We, we look for sameness. We, we look for our people. That's, that's how we're trained. It's how we're wired. It's, it's what we do. Who are our People, and we tend to feel, feel most comfortable around our people, whatever that is, and it could be any number of things, but, but our, our nature and how we've been trained in the way that the world works is we look for our people. You've heard the phrase, birds of a feather flock together, right? Birds of a feather flock together. Like there's this, this truism and, and uh, teenagers are going through their school, trying to find out who, who are my people, where do I belong? And so you got some jocks and you got the nerds, you got the computer nerds, you got the science nerds, right? So you can divide up your, your tribes if you want to. You got your artist people, you got your band people. Um, and so like all of these different groups, like we're, we're trained early in our lives to kind of look for our people and where do we hang out? Who are the people that we're with? Who are the people that, that resonate with our sense of identity? And so what's hap- what, what happens in the formation of this new community is, is God is drawing us together under a different banner and the banner is Jesus. And so those identifying factors that drew us to quote unquote our people change. And now we're coming together under the, the head who is Jesus. He is the banner under which we walk forward together. It's, it's Jesus. We are bound by him, by his grace, and yet we look around. We look around and we go, I'm not sure these are my people. Right like it, it's a it's a diverse group of people in any number of ways and so we can find ourselves wrestling with the differences and so the question that's begged is how do we belong to each other how do we live in unity together when there when there's so many differences how do we work that out. What does that look like? And so this is what Paul is drawing us into, appreciating this dynamic of belonging to one another. And he begins it and bases it right here in the beginning. Look again, verses one and two. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, right? So he's talking to people who are Christians, people who are in Christ. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, this is not a generic thing. He's he's referring back to what he had just done. The first 11 chapters are God's expression of mercy, and I've shown all of this to you, he says. Now in light of this mercy of God that we have experienced, in view of that, I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. as we look at this, this is the context for then what he says in three through eight, right? So we want to pause here and look at this context in light of God's mercy. There's a couple of things that stand out for us here. One of them has to do with worship and the other one has to do with our mind, um, our way of thinking, our patterns of thinking, all right? And so he's calling these things out specifically, of uh, the, the act of worship, particularly in verse one and our mind, the renewal of the mind in verse two, when he talks about it in transformational in renewing ways. Be because as he has laid the foundation previously, he's shown us what uh, corrupted worship, what, um, what corrupted minds look like and do. And so we go back, now uh, you can flip back real, if you want to, back to Romans chapter one. If we look in Romans chapter one, verse 25, this won't be up on the screen, so you can mark it in your phone or, or open up your Bible, just flip a few pages back. Paul is talking about the brokenness of our world they exchanged the truth about God for a lie verse 25 and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised amen and so there's a corrupted worship that's what sin does in us It hardens our hearts and we turn our affections, we turn our worship toward created things versus the creator himself. And so here's Paul, he's saying, I've already talked to you about what corrupted worship looks like. It's to worship created things, not the creator. And here in view of God's mercy, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice for this is true and proper worship. This is worship that glorifies God to give ourselves to him in light of his mercy, worship him in truth, right? And so we see this, this uh, juxtaposition. There's the corrupted self in sin. Then in his mercy, there's the renewed self, and it's a reorientation of worship. It's God-centered. It's pleasing, and it's true. And it's the same thing in verse 2 when he talks about the um, uh, be transformed through the renewing of your mind. We see in, in uh, chapter 1, verse 28, it says this. Furthermore, just as they uh, did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do not do what ought to be done. Excuse me, I confused my, it came out the same way, but I confused my, my words there a little bit, right? So, they, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. We also don't do what ought to be done both of those things are true um, and so he's talking about our minds, so he gives them over so again i'm not going to do a deep dive on this thing and i encourage you to kind of look at these themes one of the themes that we see throughout the old testament is exile when israel failed to live up to the covenant promise of god to be obedient and humble before god right? they neglected god they worshiped created things instead of the creator right that was their deal they were to worship God and God alone. They failed to do that. And so God gave them over. He released his hand of blessing and they were removed from the land of promise, exile. So God no longer protected them from their enemies. The enemies came in and took them away from the land of promise. He gave them over. When we talk about how God responds to sin, his increasingly removing his hand and giving us, because this is us too, over to the desires and the lusts that consume us, and we become captive of it. Just like Israel became captive of Babylon, they became captive of Assyria, they became captives of these nations that invaded and took them into exile, so too we are held captive by our own desires. This is our natural state. And so it's the thinking of our mind gave them over in the way that they thought about the world. And so God, in light of his mercy, chapter 12, in light of his mercy, be transformed through the renewing of your mind. Be transformed through the renewing of your mind. This is what it is to live in this new life, new life in this renewed life that God has given us through his mercy. Okay. Again, this is just context. We're just setting the stage. There's enough here in context to hang out with for a little bit, isn't there? But you begin to see, he paints a picture for us in Romans 1 of the corrupted worship. And then in light of God's mercy, there's this new worship, which is our bodies being activated in obedience to who God is. Okay. We live it out. It's an embodied response to God. This is our, our act of um, worship, of true worship. We have our corrupted minds and then in view of God's mercy, because of God's mercy, we have a renewing mind. Be transformed by the renewal of your minds. All right. And it's how we think about the world. And these things, he goes right into this. These things are activated in the context of what it means to belong to each other. It's activated in our relationships. A key place that our renewal in Christ plays out is in our relationships with each other. Of course, this is very consistent with what John has been teaching us. In the passages over and over, he says, love one another, love one another. Worship God, love one another, right, over and over. And this is continuing to build on that foundation of love one another. And we look around and we might say, but they're they're so different. God says, in view of God's mercy, Paul says, put your body into it renewing your mind think differently and it's going to play out in our love for one another even as a different group of people and so we look at how God's mercy is activated we belong to one another that's a phrase specifically that we see in verse five belong to one another but let's go back to verse three here so, what does it look like to belong to one another? In view of God's mercy, how do we belong to one another, particularly when there are so many differences as we look around this room? Verse 3 For by the grace given me, Paul is saying this as an apostle, for the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. This renewed mind will reorient our thinking and this first place that we stop on this journey is this renewal of thinking about ourselves. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment, with right judgment. That word sober is a difficult one to translate, and so a lot of the translations will say sober judgment. It could also be with with right judgment. So in other words, think of yourself rightly. Sometimes what we'll do is we'll take this and we'll say, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Think of yourself with sober judgment, and we'll kind of translate sober into dour. Like, think of yourself in dour judgment. Oh, I'm horrible. I'm worm. I'm terrible. Right? And so we take on this shape. That's not what God actually is doing. In view of God's mercy, view yourself rightly rightly. It's neither too high nor too low. Think of yourself rightly, because this isn't Goldilocks. It's, it's not a think of yourself, don't think of yourself too high, don't think, think of yourself just right. It's think of yourself rightly. It's a reorientation. It's not a little bit of this and a little bit of that. It's a, okay, stop thinking like this. Think of yourself and, and you're reorienting yourself and now I'm thinking about myself this way. Because you see how he calls us into that. He says, you think about yourself, this new identity that we've been given, this renewed mind this new renewed mind reorients us in our thinking about ourselves and others and transforms this new identity. It's a work of his mercy in our lives that we then participate with. And the transformation of our character plays out in these ways. Now he talks about that faith is the measure by which we view ourselves and others. Right, do this. View yourself not more highly than you ought to, but with sober judgment, with the with the faith as God has given it to you, with the faith that God has given it to you. And so, what are we talking about when we talk about faith? Faith is the measurement of our judgment of ourselves and others. And so, when we talk about faith, it can be a little bit of a hard word to grasp onto. Faith is what allows us to see beyond what we see with our physical eyes, right? i not talking about images or dreams. No, Scripture talks about those also. I'm just saying our eyes of faith let us see more than what we see with our eyes, our physical eyes. And so you look at this. So... We're trained in the way the world works. We're trained to view ourselves and to view others through what we can see with our physical eyes. And so we look at our attributes and we make judgments based on what we see with our eyes and what we can see and experience naturally. And so part of the renewal of our mind is this reorientation that we would see ourselves with right judgment with sober judgment according to the faith that we have because of God's mercy. And so we see more than just we see with the eyes. And so um, we've heard this scripture says a man looks on the outward appearance but God looks at the heart. Right? And so we see God continually moving towards the heart and activating his spirit in our hearts. That it's not just based on what we see with our natural eyes, but there's something more going on. And so faith invites us into the space where there is something more going on. And so we begin to see ourselves with eyes of faith. Who does God say I am? We work so hard to craft our own identity, don't we? And we try to claim our own identity. But a person who is living in renewed mind understands their identity is shaped by who God says they are. That's what faith measured by his mercy does for us. It renews our thinking and we understand our identity. We grow in our understanding of our identity based on who he tells us that we are. And so one of the things that he tells us that we are, is that we are enemies set apart from him by our sin. Like our rebellion, our stubbornness, our insistence on doing life on our terms, that's sin. And so God says, your sin makes you an enemy. There's no way around that. There's no way to soft pedal that. This is what happens. And we can fight that and we can wrestle that, but when we renew our minds, we go, oh yeah, that's, oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And, and, and we can see our rebellion against God, our rejection of his law, our rejection of his love as the sin that it is, right? There's a mercy in that but God in his mercy doesn't leave us in that and this is the story of Romans doesn't leave us in that place of rebellion by his mercy through Christ he draws us and makes us completely new and so now no longer bound by the chains of sin with that being our primary identity now he says through Christ and the holy spirit alive in you God's mercy You're his children, no longer enemies, not even just servants, but friends, reconciled to God, his children, sons and daughters, which is why Paul starts as therefore are you brothers and sisters. Because if we are sons and daughters of the most high God, that makes us brothers and sisters together. It's shaping our sense of who we are, not only in our belonging to him, but also in how we belong to one another and so we see these things work out faith allows us to see who he says we are and we recognize that it's not all about me like we live in a world that tries to tell you it's all about you particularly when you're younger and there there, there's rude awakenings that our young adults experience isn't it because so much is wrapped up in the world of the children Everything is about you. We we inadvertently, maybe even some of us overtly, communicate that it's all about you, and then you grow up and you get out into the world on your own. We're not there to protect you and cover you, and you start going, wait a minute. This is all about me, but how come everybody doesn't agree that it's all about me? Right? It can be a little bit startling at times. And so there's a harshness to how we experience that in the world. There's a beauty in how we experience that in the family of God. Because we recognize that it isn't all about me. The world doesn't turn on my axis. I am a part of something. And who is at the center of that? God is. God is at the center of this. And I am a part of what he is doing. There's so much beautiful freedom (sighs) when it's not all about me. Take a little bit to stop and reflect on what God might be saying to you and how you'll respond to him today. Wherever you are on your journey of faith, we are here to serve you. Find us at centerpointnh.org and join us on the journey of living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus.